Welcome to College Focus, the podcast from Black Dog Scholars for students who want higher grades with less stress. I'm Rita Thompson, your host. This episode is sponsored by friends at Worry-Free PC. If you need help with personal or business computers in the Chicago area, contact Worry-Free PC at xsmail.com. Okay, welcome to episode number seven, How to Crush Your Stress. I have to tell you, this was the episode I've really been looking forward to making, and I really wanted to put together some information that I wished I had access to when I was an undergrad. So here we go. Uh, First of all, before we begin, just a really important note. I want to encourage you to reach out to your campus counseling center, especially if you are feeling hopeless. Please know you can get help. I want you to call 800-273-8255 24 hours a day. Yes, that is the suicide crisis line. If you know of someone who feels hopeless, please ask him or her to call this number. Stay with them while they call and then bring them personally to your campus counseling center or call 911. That's what good friends do for friends. All right, let's devote this episode to discussing the best methods of reducing your stress as a college student. Now, we're going to focus specifically today on your stress from your classes and your workload. We all know there's other sources of stress, relationships, money, but today we're focused on your academic work. So what happens when you're feeling overwhelmed by your classes? Maybe you shut down and find it hard to drag yourself out of bed. Maybe you find it hard to focus and concentrate. Uh, Perhaps you totally bypass all of that and maybe you do the reverse. Maybe you go out and you party a lot. You try to kind of drown your mind in entertainment and fun. We have 15 ways to turn this around today that we're going to explore. And these are based on my personal experience, but also backed up by really solid research on how the brain responds to stress. So let's set the scene. Um... Let's assume that you have too much to do and too few days left. Perhaps you have a big test, maybe a difficult paper, maybe deadlines for some important work, and you have other obligations too. What can you do? Let's look at 15 practical and effective things that you can do right now. First of all, number one, Look at the next two to five days. Lay it out all on the table. What is going on? What do you have to do? You are going to have to prioritize. You cannot give everything equal priority. Um, It's usually not just one big item facing you. It's not just one paper. It's usually the fact that I, I call it confluence, as if rivers are all coming together. It's the things that normally would only be, you could handle one at a time, and then all of a sudden they just come crashing down on top of you. So really identify exactly why are you feeling overwhelmed. Number two, buy time. You've got to move something off your plate. So here's where I would suggest you start. If you have work or volunteer obligations, see if you can switch shifts. Um, The earlier, the better. If you have a major deadline coming up and you just feel like you can't make it, Try to reach out to the professor as soon as possible and ask for an extra 24 hours of grace. 
Um, and again, professors tend to be more open to this if you haven't already been petitioning for extensions all the way along. And number two, especially if you do it a couple of days ahead, they're less likely to respond positively if the deadline is midnight and you're asking for this at 9 p.m. You're assuming they're going to be online reading their email, but also it just doesn't look like very good planning. It looks like just an emergency rather than something that you're looking ahead and you're trying to work professional to professional to kind of undo this bottleneck that you're anticipating. One of the things you should not do is skip class. That just backfires on you. Your whole goal is to make yourself more effective and less stressed, and ultimately, skipping class will have a horrible effect. It will actually increase your stress, and it will make you less capable of handling what's going on in the week. All right, let's go on to number three. Number two was buying time, number three. Number three, let's take a few moments and talk about the mind and body and what you can do right now. Now, granted, some of these ideas are things you've heard about, but I challenge you to ask yourself, are you actually doing them? You may have heard of them, but are you actually putting this into practice? So, uh, first of all, avoid the woulda, coulda, shouldas. Avoid the guilt trips. Avoid focusing on the past, why you got to this point, what you should have done, beating yourself up. There is a time and place to evaluate how you are managing workflow and responsibilities. But right now, when you are in the crunch, now is not the time to do that evaluation. You can do that another time. I want you to focus instead on what you have control of. So focus on your present What's going on right now and the future? What's going to happen later today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the coming weekend? And that's where you should be. Anytime your thoughts start cycling back to if only, if only, if only, I want you to drag your thoughts out of if only land and land them right back into the present and focus on now and the future. These are things you can control. I challenge you also to create a habit and start right now. Create a habit of beginning and ending your day with 10 minutes of quiet reflection. Call it mindfulness, call it centering, call it prayer. But it is immensely powerful and backed up by research how this reduces your stress to stop for a few minutes in total silence, quiet your mind and body, and allow yourself to really connect with the infinite and the powerful. You are not alone, and the truth is that this is going to be immensely helpful for you to realize and regain some perspective. Ten years from now, not only will you not care how you handled things this week, you will not even be able to recall what the things were that led you to this point of great stress. So remember that. It's all important now, but it won't be in 10 years. All right, let's talk about the body. Give your brain what it needs. First of all, sleep. I know I was a college student. I was a college student for, it seemed, decades and decades. And your first instinct is, well, I'm just going to stay up all night. 
However, um, that's just not going to work. I really have never met the student who said, I stayed up all night and I wrote an A paper. I stayed up all night. I was able to read and study five additional chapters of chemistry that I'd never touched before, and I got an A on the test. Let's debunk that myth, okay? It, it, that doesn't happen, does it? And it's because of the law of diminishing returns. The more and more exhausted you become, and the more you're doing things to try and treat that exhaustion, the less you're getting done and the less your mind is actually absorbing, the less your, your memory is really going to be solid about these things. It just doesn't work very well, does it? So I urge you to live simply. Go to bed at the same time. Get up at the same time. If you are like, I have to... I have to squeeze a little more work time and a little less sleep. Then I'm going to make a suggestion to you, and it's a bold one. I suggest you get up and you work from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. when it's going to be nice and quiet. Because one of the reasons why you are shifting to working at night is that that's the time when the dorm is quiet, right? It's, you know, <laughs> it's a... It's a mess, you know, between 5 and 11 p.m. And it doesn't start quieting down until midnight, right? So why not try a way of trying to get some sleep at a regular time and then get up a little bit earlier? So get up at 6, get up at 5.30 and try to put in just two really good high-quality hours. You might find that you get not only as much done, but you get more done. All right. And set double alarms if you're going to get up early because one alarm isn't going to do it, is it? Um, make sure you're drinking adequate water. Dehydration, even slight dehydration, really does have an effect on your, on your mind and on your brain. And then, of course, do I need to mention good nutrition? Of course you want good nutrition. You want to eat healthy food. Um, keep in mind, you know, you're not going to be able to eat or caffeinate your way out of this crisis. So repeat after me. I cannot eat or caffeinate or drink beer and find my way out of this crisis. It's just, that is not going to work. You can't drink it away, caffeinate it away, or eat it away. Eating pizza late at night makes you feel like part of the group, but it does not actually get the paper written. I'm sorry to tell you that. Now, what can you do? Um, we're going to talk in a few moments about burst studying. And when you want to take a break, instead of the pizza, instead of drinking, instead of gaming, instead of over-caffeinating yourself, what you do want to do is you want exercise. Yeah, you want to do some exercise. So you want to do maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes of good exercise and then get back to it. That would be your, your best bet. And again, that is absolutely solidly backed up by research. All right, let's move on to number four. Number four, get assistance. One way to speed up the process of some of your academic work is to actually reach out and get some assistance. So meet with your teaching assistant. Convene a small study group. It really speeds up the process. I tell students over and over and over again, when you are stuck, sometimes you are just spinning your wheels and you just can't move forward. You're not, 
you could spend one hour, three hours, four hours, and you're not really gaining anything. If you want things to move faster, reach out to someone who can actually help move your thinking along a little bit. And usually reaching out to an instructor or a TA is a great way to get it done. So if you're stuck, you're like, I have been mulling over this chapter on physics and I, I cannot I cannot move forward on it. I mean, it's just impenetrable. Now it's time to reach out for some assistance. Um, same thing with writing a paper. If you're stuck, I don't have an idea, or I have an idea, I just can't move it forward. Um, I just, I've only written a little bit and I'm, I'm just have massive writer's block. Again, reaching out to a study group or to a TA or your professor. Um, a quick 15, 20-minute conversation can be a huge help, a huge help. And so you think about investing in that 15 minutes versus, you know, just staring at a page for two hours more. I mean, you're just burning up time and you're not getting anything from that. So reaching out to an instructor requires a little bit of humility on your part. Um, it means you have to acknowledge that you might not be all that. You might not be able to do everything on your own. And that's okay. College is not designed to be a completely solo activity. So don't Google stuff. Reach out to a human being. Time after time, research shows us that a conversation with a knowledgeable person will do far more to help us on every level in terms of understanding and creation, if we're thinking about writing and putting our thoughts on paper and getting to the next level in terms of our analysis, then anything else you could think of. So instead of Googling, instead of chatting with a roommate, reach out to someone knowledgeable. And I think you're going to find that it was really helpful. Number five, give yourself boundaries. Give yourself boundaries. So if you have to study three chapters of chem and you've never touched them or you touch them, but wow, it was just a hot mess. You just didn't have much in the way of understanding. Tackle those chapters, but this time take a sheet of paper and combine all the notes that you are taking to that one sheet of paper. You're not allowed to go off that sheet. doesn't matter what the sheet looks like. You're not allowed to go off that sheet. So this is fascinating research, and I've referenced this before. I so wish I had known this when I was an undergrad. There is something, you remember the whole thing about, you know, you can bring a note card with your notes into the test thing. Um, it turns out it wasn't the note card. It wasn't even writing on the note card. It was the fact of the size of the note card. Research shows that setting boundaries seems to flip your brain on high alert. And you are learning at a much higher level. Your retention is much higher. Isn't that fascinating? I just find that fascinating. And that is really useful information. So here's another way you can use a boundary. Time yourself. Give yourself 15 minutes to write that thesis statement. Give yourself 20 minutes to write that first paragraph. Uh, and don't let yourself take more time. That's it. Move on. Switch gears. Leave the paper. Go to something else. Move on. Write your conclusion. Whatever it need, you need. But give yourself boundaries and you're going to find that your brain actually might really respond well to that. 
Number six, clear the decks, clear the decks. Have nothing on your work service wherever you are working except what is needed in this moment. That means, you know, the little bobblehead. That means your calculator. That means your phone. That means a fun book to read. That means anything. Literally take everything off your desk except what you need for the task at hand. That's it. Put it out of sight. That includes maybe even covering up calendars that you have pinned to your wall. Anything that you could visually see um, would be really important. That's a way of kind of wiping some distractions out of your mind. Number seven, silence the phone. Okay, that's an obvious one, but let's really um, talk about a couple things that we can do here. Obviously, there's some apps that will help you silence distractions, and those are very good. Um, take a look at those and see what seems to appeal to you. The other way that I would suggest, if you were studying with a partner, here's something to think about. What if you're like, but, 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 what if my mom calls? What if the boyfriend calls? What if the girlfriend calls? Um, I would suggest switching phones with your study partner. So if you're sitting far apart, switch phones. That way you're not going to be tempted to look at it. After all, the messages are not for you, right? Uh, but if obviously your partner said, hey, if Derek calls, let me know right away. I want to make sure that his car has started and he's been able to get to the interview. Great. Then in that case, what you need to do is switch phones and then you'll know, you'll be able to quickly glance and know whether or not that's Derek. It won't be as much of a distraction as if it was your own phone. All right, number eight, boost focus. Boost your focus. Now, it is always a temptation to think, well, what I really need is a long block of time. I need mega amounts of time. I need two, three hours, four hours, five hours without any interruptions. That's great. But the truth is, I'm willing to bet you're listening to this podcast because you don't have all that time, do you? What you do have is you have short amounts of time. Let's mine your schedule and find those delightful short amounts of time and make good use of them. So... You can use even short amounts of time. Let's figure out ways to make those short amounts of time really useful. Number one, borrow noise-canceling headphones. That should be really helpful. Somebody in your dorm, somebody in your apartment building's got them. See if you can borrow them. Um, another idea, obviously pick some really good study music, music that you don't use for anything else but studying, music without lyrics, without lyrics. You don't want one part of your brain trying to process the lyrics and another part of your brain trying to do deep thinking. I know you're thinking, no, no, I never listen to your lyrics. Yes, but your brain does without you being consciously aware of it, your brain does. So in the show notes, I'm gonna link my favorite study music. So I'm gonna give that to you as a little gift. Uh, it's super fun, but a quick glance of YouTube, and you're gonna find lots of options. If you go quiet study music, lots of things come up. You don't want music that is familiar to you, because again, that's gonna be bringing forth a lot of memories and connections. You want your brain quiet and focus on the task at hand. No bed studying. I'm willing to bet you've heard that before. Leave your bed for sleeping. Otherwise, you're just going to you know, walk yourself right into a nice period of insomnia. Or the reverse, you can't stay awake while you're studying because your bed is calling. Study in front of a blank wall. Study in front of 
where you cannot see anything that's interesting. I used to love studying in front of something that was nice to look at, a window where I could look over the quad or something. That was such a mistake because I am very easily distracted by visuals. So study in front of a blank wall. Don't give yourself any excuses. Um, set a phone alarm or timer. I know I just told you to silence the phone, but do set an alarm so that you can get into deep focus, but you also aren't going to miss your next class. Train yourself, challenge yourself to not have your eyes lift the page for a period of time. Now, generally speaking, research says that high school students struggle to keep their eyes on a page without lifting off that page for 10 minutes. I mean, that's usually kind of your max. You want to see if you could stretch that to 15 or 20 minutes. Note, you know, you're reading, reading, reading. When does your eye leave the page? When do you glance up? How long can you go? Try to get it. Try to push as much as possible. Try to get to 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. If you're in, generally speaking, undergrads need to get to 30 minutes. That's how much focus you need. Graduate students, you need to get to one hour, 60 minutes. I was once in the law library studying and I got into such deep focus. When I looked up, finally, three hours had passed and I'd completely missed one of my law school classes, completely studied myself right through it. That's not ideal, but that's the level of focus. That's your goal, all right? It takes time to develop that. Start now, start today. You can do it. Even kind of track it. It's kind of fun to kind of graph it out and kind of see how does this change over time. All right, remember you want bursts of 30 to 45 minutes of intensive studying. Then you want to take a planned break. So your planned break might be get up, walk around, um, go get something to drink, um, step outside, um, go for a quick jog, um, do some jumping jacks, um, you know, go lift weights for 15, 20 minutes, um, go play a game for 15, 20 minutes, and then walk away from that. And then once again, center yourself, find a place with no distractions, and sit down for another 30 to 45 minutes. You're gonna find that you achieve far more than if you um, tried to say, oh, I'm gonna study for two, three hours. That might ultimately not be very effective. Number nine. Silent self-pity. I wish someone had told me the brutal truth back in undergrad. You are going to be tempted when you're trying to study to have your thoughts focus on the self-pity. Why is this happening to you? Everyone out there is having fun. You're the only one stuck behind studying. It's not fair. How can they get their grades and you can't? You know, you just have to notice these thoughts when they occur and jettison them. Really squash them because they're lies, aren't they? Everybody has to study hard. Everyone's studying. The whole world is not out partying. And besides, you honestly think today, right now, is the last party ever? It's the last time you're ever going to get together with friends? We all know the answer to that is no. So notice how some of that negative self-talk is grounded in lies. It's grounded in exaggerations. And it's grounded in self-pity. So notice that and just get rid of the self-pity. 
Now that's different than being gentle with yourself, right? Understanding it's disappointing when you can't get together with friends. It is. And it is difficult to discipline yourself and think, oh, you know, you're right. Sometimes studying is just not fun. Sometimes it's just hard work. Okay, that's true. Do you have enough inner strength to do that for a short period of time for a worthy goal? Sure you do. Sure you do. And will you feel good after you've studied for a while? Yes, you will. All right, then do that. All right, so get rid of self-pity. Do be gentle with yourself, but understand that your self-pity is often rooted in exaggerations and lies. Number 10, avoid the temptation to merge studying or writing with entertainment. We're talking about TV, Netflix, gaming, fun music, a great atmosphere, you know, boom, 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 you know, whatever, fun people around you. I know I'll study with my, you know, with my besties, with my friends, doing laundry, being in really super comfortable surroundings, whatever it is. Know ahead of time how you're going to be tempted to merge those things and don't do it. I'll give you a classic example. When I was an undergrad, one of the local libraries was the med school library. And one part of the med school library was this um, very odd room. And it was a room of platforms. So it wasn't a flat surface, a flat floor. It was platforms. And there were no furniture in it. It was just large platforms. And they were all carpeted. And they had massive pillows. I'm talking like four feet by four feet pillows and blankets and mood lighting. And it was the craziest room ever. And we used to go there and study. All right, can you imagine what happened? There was so much to distract me. And trying to merge, I need to be comfortable with studying, does not work. I never really got a lot done. And here's a hot tip. Here was a clue. None of the medical students were in there studying. The room was always empty. I wonder why. (laughs) I wonder why. Because you'd go there and nobody could get anything done. You'd end up taking a nap or being distracted or trying to imagine like who goes here and what do they do? And I don't know. So the pillow library definitely isn't the place for you to go. Now, sometimes you might think, well, I do better work when I'm around others, or I need a little bit of noise. Okay, all right. So the typical kind of cafe or coffee shop setting might work. But keep in mind, you also want to make sure that you're not going to be visually distracted. So if you're lucky enough at this point to be able to go to a cafe or a... um, or a coffee shop. Sit in a place where, again, you're looking at a blank wall. You're looking at something really boring. Um, That might be good. And then, of course, now on YouTube, there's lots of, you know, study music where it's just a recording of a coffee shop. So that's kind of good in terms of kind of setting a mood for a little bit of noise, but it kind of gets you into your zone. So know how you're going to be tempted ahead of time and then recognize it and avoid it. Number 11, study with a partner. Now, there's a way to do this and a way not to do this. Let's talk about this. This is, we could do a whole podcast on this. Number one, don't sit across from each other. That's the, 
position of friends who are going to have a conversation and you don't necessarily want to have a conversation. I think the better way to do it is to sit in the same direction and sit one table apart so that you're a little bit beyond conversation distance. In other words, you could get up and take a break together, but you're beyond that natural conversation distance. Set a timer for silent study. Agree, okay, we're gonna study for 45 minutes, good. And do not communicate during that 45 minutes at all. In the end of 45 minutes, go take your break together. That's a great way to take a break. Um, another way to study with a partner is the obvious one, to quiz each other. This is immensely useful. Literally 40 years of psychological research has supported the idea that quizzing each other is one of the best ways to take information and embed it deeply into your memory. So just set a timer, just mind your time as you do that. All right, and then again, repeat. Have quiet study time, take a break, quiz each other, and then go back to quiet study time. This was very effective for me when I was in law school. Very effective. Uh, so again, pairing quiet study with the effectiveness of studying with a partner where you're quizzing each other, extremely effective. All right, let's go, down, go on to number 12. Number 12. Constantly quiz yourself. If you're alone, turn those headings of a chapter into questions and then put that aside and make sure at the end you can actually answer those questions, write out answers to those questions, people. Use Anki decks. And again, at some point we'll do a podcast about what Anki decks are and how to use them. Quizlets, uh, create your own, vocabulary.com, whatever it is. Um, create your own mechanism for quizzing yourself and do so repeatedly. This is a wonderful way to use those little bits of time that you have during the day. When you think, I don't have any time. Yes, you do. I bet you've got windows of 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes that you can use. And you want to use that to quiz yourself. Number 13, know your own avoidance habits and bypass them. What do you do when you're trying to avoid a difficult task. Do you do laundry? Do you clean? That's me. So I would have to leave an area. So I'm certainly not going to be tempted to run around and clean the graduate library, right? Um, another example is checking in with friends. Are you really tempted to have a lot of contact with friends? That was also something that I found was very tempting for me. So again, find a way to avoid that temptation to do that. Um, and again, we've already mentioned about the temptation to wait until late at night to study. I fell into this a lot as an undergrad. Keep in mind that it's probably partly a way to avoid the noisy distractions, that the dorm only quiets down till that time. But the truth is the dorm is pretty darn quiet at 5 a.m. and 6 a.m., isn't it? It really is. So why not flip that and do that then? You will get more sleep but you will still have an intensive period of quiet time where you can do study. Number 14, if you can't study in your dorm room, where else can you study? Now, at the time that we're making this podcast, we are coming out of a pandemic. Maybe things are still pretty locked down on your campus. Maybe you're still, you know, kind of in hybrid mode trying to um, study from home. Uh, so you may have some real limitations on this. Uh, I would suggest, for example, try to study in your car. If you're really desperate to find a quiet place, try your car for, for a little while. 
try an empty classroom. So even if the library is closed, are any classrooms on campus open? Side note, and this is important, young women, you need to be mindful of your personal security. Being in a building all by yourself is not a good idea. Uh, being in a deserted wing of a building by yourself, not a good idea, all right? Um, but it might be a good idea, for example, if you and your friend want to study and you both go into a classroom and you go to opposite ends of the classroom, that might be really good. Plus, you're kind of in the zone, especially if you're sitting in the classroom where you have class. You're going to want to study soch if you're sitting in your classroom where the social lecture occurs. So, you know, sometimes you can find an open classroom um, or you can ask an instructor to open a classroom for you. That would be kind of nice. Obviously, the library, if you've got access to it. A cafe or coffee shop, we've already mentioned that. Um, here's something to think about. Maybe go to a place where you actually want to mimic what other people are doing. So here's something to think about. If you are trying and you're thinking someday I'd love to be a lawyer, maybe go study in the law library where you're surrounded by law students. That's very motivating. I used to love and go to study in the grad library or the law library and you know I, I wouldn't know anyone. It's not like a friend is going to walk by. Um, but man, these people are super serious and it got me serious too. So think about that. Finally, number 15, I encourage you to work with a counselor. And I want to point something out. If you were going to train for a sport, let's say you're trying to train for a marathon, you want to um, work with your volleyball team and get better for a big tournament, you're going to reach out and get coaching. Nobody says, wow, you're weak. You worked with a coach? No, instead everyone was like, wow, that was really a good decision. Why wouldn't you work with a coach, aka a counselor, to help you become more effective in terms of dealing with your stress? So if this is a regular problem with you and you are telling yourself, I'm not really making progress with this problem of coping with stress, now is the time. Reach out to your campus counseling um, center. So again, I'm Rita with Black Dog Scholars. I so wish you a healthy and happy week. Um, so good luck to you. Please subscribe. Please let us know how things are going and reach out to us. Ready? Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next podcast. As always, please subscribe, read our podcast, and drop us an email at podcast at blackdogscholars.com and let us know how these episodes are helping you get higher grades with less stress. So long.